Welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio, a podcast for and about the people of the Nashville restaurant scene. Now here's your host, the CEO of New Light Hospitality Solutions, Brandon Still. Hello, Music City, and welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio. My name is Brandon Still, and I am your host, and it is a wonderful, fantastic Motivation Monday Excited to have you joining us today. Our guest is Q Taylor. And Q is the owner partner at Cinema, as well as Eighth and Roast. And he comes on today to talk to us about what it's been like through the pandemic for him, what uh, leadership looks like. And we just talk about all kinds of scenarios and how he's doing. Um, we talk a little bit about just kind of the situation that's going on right now in our world. This was kind of an interesting interview because I didn't that we did this last week, so it was a little tough to kind of get through it all. But um, we do, and I think that it ends up in a, in a great way. And uh, I was just so happy um, that he decided to come on the show because um, he is just amazing, uh, as most of our guests are that you know. And um, we're excited to bring him to you. We've got Stephen Smithing coming up later this week. Um, was going to come on last week, decided to postpone it to later this week. This Friday. We are going to have the roundup, and Thursday afternoon live, we will have the roundup at 3.30 on our Facebook page. Our guest host this week uh, is going to be Matt Bolas. So Matt will be joining Delia, Joe Ramsey, and myself for a uh, exciting show. I can't wait to hear about his staycation series, which just wrapped up with Marcus Samuelson, and um, didn't get a chance to try it, but there was a lot of uh, footage and a lot of great stuff Delia did, so I can't wait to hear all about it. Real quick, tell you about Springer Mountain Farms chicken. Um, you know, the most one of the cool things about them is they're just they're just doing all the right stuff all the time. But they feed their chickens a healthy diet. So I found this piece on them. Not only is the chicken you're eating raised here, but their food is too. One hundred percent of the corn and soybean used to make our chicken feed is grown in the USA. Our feed is formulated by staff, veterinarians, and nutritionists for optimal health, as well as the helping well-being of the chickens and made in our on-site feed mill. The first mill in the world, in the world, to earn the Safe Feed, Safe Food Certification from the American Feed Industry Association. To further ensure the quality of their feed, each load of feed ingredients, as well as each load of finished seed is tested in our InSight USDA certified lab. Consumer awareness of GMOs has seen overwhelming growth and resulted in increased demand for cleaner, more transparent food sources like non-GMO foods. That's why we have worked out to develop the Spring Mountain Farms Plus line of products. All the same great attributes of original pure Spring Mountain Farms products plus line feed is made of 100% American-grown non-GMO project-verified ingredients. Plus products are now shipping to select retailers in the U.S. and Puerto Rico. Learn more at non-gmoproject.org. So some cool stuff there. You can find all that at springmountainfarms.com. Uh, please go check them out and support the restaurants that are using Springer Mountain Farms. Pick them up at Publix. So this is our show today. We're excited. If you like our shows, please click subscribe. We would love for you to give us a five-star rating if you can. And thank you to everybody who went on the Nashville Scene webpage and voted for us. We will wait to see the results and see if for some reason uh, we can pull out a, pull out a positioning. But... Um, I just appreciate all of you listeners out there and everybody who's digging in. I've got a little bit of feedback recently, and I just always love it when you guys let me know what you're feeling. So please do click a like on this uh, page on our socials. 
Give us a follow, and um, thanks a lot. We appreciate you all. Please enjoy this interview with Q Taylor. Okay, welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio. I am here with Q Taylor, who is the one of the owners, his partner with uh, Cinema Restaurant, Eighth and Rose Coffee Shop. Welcome in, Q. Hey, I'm glad to be here, man. Thank you for having me today. It's an absolute honor, and I don't know where to begin today. You know, normally I start off a show and I'm like, hey, how you doing? You know, how's your mental health? What's happening right now? But I mean, we've got a category four hurricane that hit last night. We've got weather coming towards us. We are in the middle of a pandemic mm -hmm. and um, the atrocities that are happening in w Wisconsin with just kind of everything. And I, I, I I don't know where to start a show. I don't know how to start off and be like, hey, man, what's going on? Because mm -hmm. I'm just kind of down. I'm just kind of down today. And I don't know. I don't I don't, don't want to start the show off that way. But here we go. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's another uh, bullet point of 2020 that you can uh, talk about that started. To me, I feel like everything got weird when Kobe Bryant actually passed away. I felt like <laughs> ever since Kobe passed away, then you had the tornadoes here in Nashville. And I don't even know if a lot of people remember this. Well, people, there were people affected, but there was like one weird Sunday night in Nashville where there was like a lightning windstorm and a lot of trees got knocked down and some power out. The derecho? The wretch, yeah, exactly. Derecho, so, yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, so it was just, and you know, that's just, Nashville and, you know, Kobe Bryant and then all the police brutality and then COVID. It's just, it's been an unreal year for sure. So, you know. How, how are you managing all that? I mean, how are you doing, man? It's it's interesting. I'm doing good. I'm doing okay. Uh, you know, there's a lot of categories within, people, within people's lives. I always try to look at it that way. You have what's going on in the world, what's going on in your jobs, what's going on, and then it's what's going on in your own household and then your immediate family and friends. So there's been so many things that you have to manage mentally to keep your mental health, you know, in the right place. And, uh, you know, it's tough. And, you know, having people around you is very essential to people that care about you, people that support you. It's, it's, it's the most crucial time to have those kind of people in your life, in my opinion. So it is. How do you how do you prioritize that? How do you because you own? I mean, you're you're a partner in in some pretty big. Stendham has a big restaurant, Eighth and Rose Coffee Shops. I mean, how many coffee shops do you have? We have two locations. We have a location off of a, a 65 South Wedgewood exit, right off of Eighth Avenue, close to downtown. And then we opened our second location on the west side, off of Charlotte Avenue, right across the street from Sylvan Station, next door to Five Points Pizza, and. So that's been crazy. <laughs> I can imagine. I mean, you've got three locations. You're, you're running businesses. Mm -hmm. Probably have friends. Are you, are you married? Do you have kids? Not married. No kids. Yeah. I don't know right. how that, that didn't happen, but hopefully. <laughs> <point back. laughs> yeah. So you don't have that. But uh, so, I mean, that's a, a, that could be a blessing and a curse right now. I mean, you know, there's a couple different sides that how your perspective is. But like, how are you yourself finding balance right now? You just have to, you have to force yourself to, you have to say, Hey, when I wake Necessity. up, 
necessity. When I wake up today, I'm going to make sure I take an hour to myself. And, and you pretty much have to game plan or I'm going to go to the gym today. I'm going to make sure nobody is calling me. Nobody is email. I'm not going to check my emails. I'm blocking out my calendar and I'm going to go for a run today, you know, and you on the flip side, you have to do that with your key people that are involved in your business, too. I'm going to dedicate an hour to my general manager at cinema. I'm going to catch up with her. I'm going to see how things are going. I'm going to see how her mental health is going. How's the staff and like just dedicating time to yourself and time to your people and getting some sleep too. That's a big part of it. So, I mean, one of the topics of conversation I've been talking about on the show is leadership mm -hmm. and how vital the role of leadership is during a pandemic, right? Because this is, I, I feel like this is where leaders either really step up and show their true colors and lead or they don't. And I think there's a different type of leadership that's involved right now going into something that nobody's ever experienced before. There's no book that you can pick up and go, how to lead during a pandemic. Yeah. That's not something, there's no book that's written. There, I'm sure somebody's writing it right now. Yeah. But how, what have you noticed throughout this, kind of through all of this, What's the attributes to leadership that you found have been successful for you? Brandon, more than ever, and I've been in this restaurant business in hospitality. I've worked in, you know, hotels and casinos. And, you know, I've worked for ind independent restaurant owners when I lived in California. Um, you know, I've been doing this for over 25 years. And more than ever, half of the management and leadership responsibilities is making sure people feel okay you know, and allowing people to bring a little bit of their personal lives into work and and basically massaging that aspect of that because that's very essential for us to continue to grow, continue to move forward. And the third thing is that's how we're going to survive is my team knows that we actually care about them personally. And it's not about, if you're feeling unsafe, don't come to work. If you're feeling unsure about the COVID situation, do not come to work. We support that if you're feeling that way. If you're having personal issues at home because of the situations that the world is in, maybe we need to talk about that. Or just saying, hey, I'm here for you if you need me. And more than ever, like, it used to be like, hey, don't bring your personal, check your personal stuff before you clock in. Like that was a world and a time where if you come to work talking about personal shit and bringing your personal baggage to work or your personal feelings to work, that's not a good thing. And now that's a part of the game. And, you know. Wow. Yeah. And it's actually been a, a, a positive thing for us because it's it's just makes it just makes us more of a family, honestly, you know, and it's and and it's been great. So I have you no complaints about it. That's awesome because I think that this has changed. That that's exactly the answer to my question. How mm -hmm. have you changed how you've had to manage? And I think that the people recognizing how important people are to your business and not just workers or managers and there's a PL, and if this like cogs in a machine like if x y it's like it's not, it's not a playbook on a football field these are actual people that have actual lives that are like 
that make up who you are and showing empathy and showing that you actually care about them and doing something about that, I think is a, is an amazing insight into how yeah. leadership has evolved right now. And Brandon, what that's actually done for us in the past five or six months is what is, what is the effects of that is a trickle down effect. Obviously I'm not going to be able to talk to, you know, the, seven dishwashers, the six bussers, the the 15 servers, the five or six bartenders. Like I can't, I don't have time to talk to each individual person individually, you know, consistently every single day. But what what's grown in this process is it's trickled down, meaning my general manager, my managers are doing the same things that I have done, my business partners have done with them, with my management team. And they're their leadership style and us caring about them has led them to be that pillow for the people that they are managing as well. So it's been great. That's, that's fantastic. It's good to hear. You know, I was downtown yesterday. I was over in East Nashville at Edley's barbecue and we had Will Newman on the show on Monday and I went down there to shoot a one-star review. I have these chefs and restaurant owners reading one-star reviews, uh, kind of a la Jimmy Kimmel, um, reading mean tweets kind of a thing, but I have it. Mm -hmm. So he was, was nice and obliged to do it for me. Yeah. But when I got there yesterday, he was sitting at a table with an employee and um, he had a stack of pizzas behind him. I hope he didn't, he's not gonna get upset for me saying this story, but there's a uh, stack of pizzas behind him. And I said, what do you, what do you, he finished the conversation with the person. I said, what are you doing? He said, oh, I'm doing pizzas with Will. And I said, what is that? He goes, I, you know, I don't remember the frequency at which he does it, but he said, I come in and I bring a bunch of pizza and then I sit at this table and anybody who works here, I invite them to come talk to me and tell me what's going on, mm -hmm. whatever it is. If it's personal life, if it's stuff that we can do better in the restaurant, if they just want to get to know me from dishwasher to general manager, if you want to come yeah. talk to me, grab a slice of pizza, sit down and talk to me and tell me what, tell me about you. I want to learn about you. He does this at all of his locations. I don't know if it's monthly yeah. or bi-monthly. But I just thought like, man, what a really unique way to come in and anonymous and like, look, I care about you. I want to know about you. I'm not necessarily always available by a cell phone, but I'm going to come in this time and just talk to me. And I thought that's kind of what you were saying, just like that yeah. leadership side of get to know your people. And um, I was, I just thought that was so brilliant. Yeah. And what I've learned from, from all of this also, none of this has led to negative results. Everything that we've done from a personal uh, investment of our people has only led to positive results. And that is, you know, when they care, you know, it's like it's led into a commitment from our regulars too to continue to support us because now our staff is showing that love to our customers and our guests. And now they are like, we got to go back to cinema. Let's order takeout from cinema. Let's go get a coffee at Eighth and Rose. Let's, you know, and so all of those things are, you know, is cycling in a positive way. So, I mean, that's that's hospitality. That's what we do, you know. And I mean, I think that when we're expecting people to share hospitality, that love of that spirit of service, that we care about you, the guest, mm -hmm. and if it doesn't start from the top. If, if we're setting an example as leaders that we care about one thing and it's numbers and you need to do this and you need to do that. And we expect those people in turn to turn around and go, hey, we're so happy that you're here. Like, why would we expect them to do that when we don't treat them that way? And it's almost like yeah. what you're saying is 
yeah. when we do that from the top, when we actually treat our employees that way, they then turn around and treat the guests that way and it works. And it's like, yeah. check it out. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, and and and, and makes you reflect too on the times that you made shitty mistakes too. Obviously, you know, it's like, man, that person, I didn't, I don't, I didn't treat that person that well. You know, it's like I could have done a better job because I've done, I've been that guy. You know, in my life, I've had scenarios where I was like, I could have handled that situation a lot better, and you know, not repeating the same mistakes. I, I've, I think that that's so vital in self-reflection though because i that's what i lay in bed and think about i lay in bed and i i in the moment it's hard to really recognize those things but when i lay in bed at night and i go when i said this how did how could that have been i shouldn't have done that i shouldn't but then i, I it's almost like looking in the mirror and i want to learn from each time that i do that and um i think it's good you've got i think that you don't learn unless you have those situations yeah, yeah. you know you can learn from reading the book, but until you touch the hot stove and you go, damn, that's really hot. Like, that's how you really learn not to do it again. Right on. Right on. So have you had to change leading your restaurants? I mean, this has been an interesting time. Did you guys completely close or did you continue doing takeout throughout uh, March and April? Man, Brent, I'll tell you, we cinema is a little trick is way trickier than the coffee shops, actually. Uh, yeah. So my two business partners is Ed and Sam Reed. And we the first thing we decided when we tried to figure all of this out was let's just try everything that we possibly can. We, we made the decision and it wasn't like, no cue, let's not try that. Or Sam, that's a terrible idea. Ed, what are you thinking? We just basically had a board and we all like had all these ideas and we categorized it by location. So. Cinema, 8th and Rose, 8th Avenue, 8th and Rose, Charlotte. And we just broke it down and we have tried everything. So we shut Cinema down for probably a month to fit, to reconfigure the business, basically. Um, I don't know if you've ever been to Cinema before, but brunch was a huge financial component and a huge success. It, I mean, it's a huge, it's a huge percentage of our revenue year over year. Sure. Yeah. And, and what that entails, if you've ever been to cinema before, is our space is about 6,000 square feet. So what we do for brunch is we have all of these insane action stations throughout the restaurant. So you oh, might wow. go upstairs on the balcony and you got this crazy waffle station. And each bar has a Bloody Mary bar. And it's like 50 hot sauces on the bar and all these, you know, things you can garnish your Bloody Mary with. The whole deal. Yeah, and you had like this huge, soon in the grand, in the lobby when you walk in, there's this big tower of like fried chicken and biscuits and all yeah. these pastries and like, and you, Brandon, if you're the customer, you you pay a fee, which is an all-inclusive thing, and it was a home run. So you pay $28 and you can eat as much as you want and drink as much as you want. So what that entails though, is you touching all of this stuff, you're going to all these stations, you're doing all these things, and as a result, you can't do that anymore during COVID. So yeah. we have to pivot and switch our entire brunch service up. It's like, how can people feel, get the same value as a customer, get the same experience without them going to all these action stations throughout the restaurant and cross-contaminate and, and risking cross-contamination. So we basically had to pivot and bring everything to the table. 
So that encompassed more staff. We just had to do a bunch of different scenarios. So now, you know, brunch is still hitting a home run, but now we're just bringing everything to your table. So is it a la carte now? We have a la carte items in addition to all the stations that we have. So if you look at our menu, it's like, okay, if it's four people at your table, Brandon, we're going to bring fried chicken to your table enough for four people. And if you want to refill, if you want to reorder, you just continue to get that at a set price. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So it's not as interactive because I think what, what happened in the past was customers were interacting with each other a lot more when there was action stations throughout the restaurant. Of course, you're yeah. You're getting that great experience and you feel satisfied with the price point because you're still getting the, the, the amazing brunch items that we offer as well. So. so when you do that meeting, do you have, I mean, you get you get your two partners yourself, you're in a room, I don't know if you have chef or general manager, I don't know who's in that room. Right. How do you How do you look at that as a safety factor? I mean, so, do we even was there a point you so you closed for a month to figure that out and then when it was safe i guess when did you reopen so i would say a month after the COVID hit i can't remember off the top of my head may but, something or another yeah it was around may and we implemented a takeout program we put a bunch of uh, safety precautions and systems in place a good example would be for brunch for example we have a designated cleaner and this team member who normally would be like a bus or a food runner or server or a bartender, we rotate the shifts. That person for brunch and dinner, its only sole job is to sanitize and clean throughout the restaurant. They don't touch any of the food items. They don't interact with any of the, you know, the staff or the guests. They're just constantly sanitizing. Somebody walks in the front door, they go back and sanitize the door again. He goes to the restroom. Somebody, you know, all of the COVID practices we put in place for that. And so we just made a checklist of things that we wanted to do. Obviously, you know, we have disposable menus and then we have the QR code on the tables. Uh, you know, there's just a bunch of stuff that we've done. And then obviously, you know, you can get stuff curbside pickup as well. So we're going to take a short break to hear a couple words from Trust 20. Reopening your restaurant comes with great responsibility. Are you doing everything you can to keep your staff and guests safe? With Trust20 certification, you and your guests can feel confident you're doing everything you can to keep everyone safe. Trust20 is home to the new standard of restaurant safety and consumer comfort. By becoming a Trust20 certified restaurant, diners will know the practices you follow to create a safe and healthy environment. Have confidence you're going above and beyond minimal requirements. Have comfort knowing your practices have been independently verified. To learn more, visit trust20.co. That's trust, the number 20.co. Trust 20 restaurants have access to a suite of resources that include expert-led training in four key areas, individual consultants, communication material and signage. For National Restaurant Radio listeners, now through the end of August, you get free certification when you visit trust20.co and tell them you heard about them on National Restaurant Radio. Trust 20, partnering with you to keep everyone safe. Wow, it's just been a crazy time. Have you? Yeah. Do you have a lot of friends that are in the business? What? Are, what are? How do you feel like everybody else is doing? Are you guys doing okay too? I mean, are you back to where you're? We the coffee shops are finally back to 
some sort of normalcy. Like we are getting to a point where we're, you know, I say success is we're finally breaking even again and we're not. Well, that's the new success right now. Yeah. yeah. And you want to survive and you just survive and, and try to advance, you know? And so, you know, coffee shops are finally get back to normal cinema, you know, brunch where, you know, things are at a capacity. So you can't do, uh, you know, any parties of over 25 people. It has to be six people or less sitting at a table. And cinema, really, our revenue stream was really built on large gatherings, private events, rehearsal dinners, uh, bachelorette parties. Like, there are a lot of ways that we, you know, 50, 60, 70% of our revenue was driven on that. And then, obviously, dinner, you have to restrict your covers as well. And we don't have a patio at cinema, so it's not like we can seat people outside. So everything is indoor inside this grand movie theater and uh, that we've converted into a restaurant. So it's a little different for us. Can you, but you got a big area out front of cinema. Like there's yeah. like a big concrete like entryway, right? It is. And Could you we, put like 10 tables out there and just kind of do like a... Yeah, we tried. And honestly, like, it just didn't feel right. Customers wasn't digging it. It's just a different vibe. And like, it's not private enough out there in that area. It's just like on in a parking lot. A lot of tr yeah, it's in the parking lot almost. So yeah, I mean, you know. I just, you know, I didn't know. I'm just if. Trust me, if, we've tried everything. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you doing if 60% of your business is, is based upon large events? How are you pivoting in large events? I mean, because we're getting into, we're, I mean, we're rapidly approaching the holiday season. Yeah. I mean, that's and, probably a really big time for you for revenue. Yeah. And we are getting phone calls again. We are getting inquiries on doing events and parties and stuff like that and hope that, you know, things continue to go and hopefully people don't cancel. And, you know, obviously it's not crazy like it used to be, like nonstop. But, you know, we looked at our P&L and cut costs as much as possible in a lot of ways. And, you know... We don't have all of our staff back. You know, obviously we just brought back a bunch of key people. And, uh, you know, right now we're just, you know, doing the best we can and and every week try to figure out how much money we do, we can, the, let's lose the least amount of money as possible. So, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a dog paddle, man. You're just trying to stay above water. Yeah. <clears throat> so one of the things that people do when they own restaurants is they have to partner with lots of vendors. Yeah, lots of people um, partner with you. If they don't, then, then you know, I mean, that's that's on them. But who do you have any vendors that have just done an, a hell of a job in helping with you? Have come to the table with solutions, people that have helped you with financing, people that have helped you lowering prices, or hey, we've got a contract here, we're not going to hold you to that because you're doing this. Like, is there anybody out there that we should praise for how great they've done? Yeah, that's been very. Um... That's there's been some form of we'll do what we can across the board amongst all vendors, in my opinion. No one has came to us and is like, hey, you're over 90 days behind on an invoice. Like, can we get our money? You know, and we do a good job of like communicating. I think if you communicate with people and reach out to them and like, hey, this is the state that we're in. Let's look at our invoices. What can we do? And you know, the, you know, people like Athens and all of our beverage vendors have been fantastic. And uh, you know, U.S. Foods and you know, our cleaning crew and like, you know, there's a lot of people that's been you know very uh, 
they've worked with us is what I would say, you know. That's good. You know, and U.S. Foods does a, I used to work for U.S. Foods. Mm -hmm. And um, from everybody I've talked to, they've done a wonderful job just in really pivoting and really doing everything they possibly can to help their, um, to help their customers. It's, it's yeah. been something I've heard. Yeah, and, even right when, and right when uh, COVID happened, uh, Creation Gardens is a huge vendor of ours for cinema and for Atham Roast. And basically, when a lot of the stuff happened in the beginning, they gave us a bunch of stuff to give to our staff. So for an entire month, we were like a grocery store for our team members. Oh, wow. Do things like that. It was great. And uh, so like every Monday and Thursday, any team member at Cinema or Eighth and Rose can come by the restaurant and just pick up like a grocery cart full of stuff like fruits and vegetables and, you know, pastry, you know, a bunch of cool things, canned goods and stuff like that. It was great. So And Creation Gardens just brought that to you? Yeah, and we partnered with them, and there was a few other restaurants that was on board with that. It wasn't just us, but that was like a little. They didn't even want the credit for it. They just kind of. It was kind of this thing we did, and, and it was great. See, that's that's yeah. the answer to my question. Who are the yeah. people out there? So, I mean, because we got a lot of people that work in restaurants that listen to this stuff, you know, mm -hmm. listen to this show, and I just that was a question that I've kind of heard a bunch of things throughout town about people that are going above and beyond, and I just am curious, like. Yeah. From a non-advertising perspective, just who are the people out there that are really walking, walking the talk? Yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful thing, Brandon, because what people like Creation obviously came to the decision. They're like, all of these restaurants are not ordering produce like they were because they're shutting down and they're trying to yeah. pivot, figure things out. And we're sitting on all this product. Let's give it to our people. Let's give it to our clients. And, you know. What else are we going to do with it? Right. So it was a great it's a great thing. And, you know, shout out to Creation Gardens. If anyone that works there is listening out, you know, we have you know, a lot of gratitude on my end and our cinema team and eighth and roast team. So uh, we had Monty Crawford come on the show. He actually did the show in the middle of the pandemic and kind of talked about just how how they've had to pivot as a company. And man, that was an interesting episode just yeah. listening to what they did after the tornado and then what they had to do. I mean, with Cisco going down with the tornado was a huge issue. Yep. I mean, because there was, they literally had no way to get people food for a week after they were closed. They had to pivot, but like all these other companies had to kind of scramble to get them taken care of. Mm -hmm. So I mean, if you're a purchaser for one of these companies and you're buying food and all of a sudden you're having to cover for a Cisco that's out for five days. And so you bring in all this product and then everything closes. Yeah. And you go, we just brought in half million dollars in food that's going to go bad. Right. And every restaurant's closed. Yeah. So we and that's what people were doing, you know. So. It's interesting. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, All right. So um, so it sounds like you're doing, it sounds like you're as best you could be doing. You're doing okay. Yeah. You know, what can you do? You can't sit there and, you know, mm -hmm. hard to, you got to, you got to keep going. No, you got to keep going. What what am I supposed to do? You know, <laughs> you got to keep working. You got to keep trying and got to keep, you know, got to keep supporting people and, you know, and doing the best you can and keep working because you don't know when it's over. You don't, like, you, no don't know, you know, so. So what is your motivation? I mean, is your motivation just intrinsical? Is it just something, is this the kind of the person that you are? Or is your motivation your people that work for you? Or is your motivation something deeper? Like what sucks you out of the sheets every single day? 
Well, it's knowing that, like, man, you know, we came a long way. Like, cinema opened in 2014, June 2014. It's 2020. So that's six years of success for independent restaurant. And I say that because we're still open, you know? And, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's hard to, like, say, all right, Let's just wrap it up. Let's just give up. We're done. It's just we've worked too hard for that. So every day I wake up and I sit there and it's like, man, we've worked too hard for this. You know, we were so successful with the branding of 8th and Rose, the coffee business on 8th Avenue. We've grown our wholesale business and we were so sick. We did so well financially that we were able to open up a second location and in talks of a third location in the airport that we are negotiating. Why would you want to give that up? Why would you say, all right, we're defeated? We're, we're we, you know, we've lost this battle. Like you gotta, you gotta win. You gotta keep your mind in the pro, in the mindset of we gotta win this battle. You know, we have to win this battle. So if I go into work every day, if I communicate uh, to my team that oh I'm tired, oh I'm defeated, oh this sucks, oh I hate COVID. You know, they're going to be the same way, man. So, you know, they're just going to see my smile every day and they're going to say, how are you doing? What can I do for you? How can we continue to drive business? And that's, again, you're, you're bringing home my point on leadership, that right now during this time, it's so vital that leaders lead. And you just described it. If you walk in the building, everybody's looking at you. Whatever you do, is their excuse for, or not excuse, it, it's a, you're allowing them to feel whatever you feel. But if you walk in and you maintain a positive attitude and a, and a, and a voice of hope, and we're going to do this, damn it, we've come too far to do this. They're all going to go, you're right, we're in. But if you come in with a woe is me, Eeyore kind of attitude, they're all going to go, oh gosh, the guy, who, the leader, he's doing that. So let's all do that. I mean, you yeah. set the pace, you set the tone for everybody. And I think that that's so vital. And, and it's not just... I think if you're listening to this out there, you don't have to be the owner of the restaurant or your business to do that. Right. Anybody out there, like everybody feeds off of everybody else, whether you should or shouldn't, it's a, it's, it's how life works. So if you're a server and you come in with a woe is me attitude, the other people around you are going to feel that too. But if yep. you come in as a server with a guys, we got this today, we can do this. Let's make people happy. We're in the service industry. Let's take care of people today the best we possibly can. That's contagious. Yeah. That's, and, and that's leadership. Yeah, that's that's definitely leadership. And it's identifying people's thoughts by communicating with them. And then you sit there and you're like, hey, what is our story? As a business, what is our story? Did we do everything we possibly can to make people feel safe when they walk in the door from a COVID perspective, from a cleanliness perspective? Now, what is our story again? How do we make people feel when they actually walk in the door? So we got to make sure moving forward every single day when we fucking walk in these doors that our story is the right story. And if we can go home every day and say, hey, we gave it 100%. Cause you don't have to say it out loud. You you know you know when you when you finish your day if you gave it a hundred percent that day, you know, you know that you know that answer without saying it verbally. Every day when you go to bed at night, you know if you gave it a hundred percent. And you I know the test. You know that, but you know the test I always used 
was how would people remember my performance today? Now, this is kind of morbid. This is kind of a bad way to do it. But this is how I would ask people if somebody comes into work late or they don't have it. I would go, if you left work today and you got hit by a bus, what would people say about you at your funeral? Yeah. What would they say? Would they say, oh, well, they came to work late a lot. No, they complained. They didn't. They skipped out without doing their side work. They always complained about tables. They ordered water. They did this. Or would they be, man, that guy was excited. He was on fire for life. He made a difference. Like, how do you want to be remembered? And then go do that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that it parallels, it parallels the world right now. I think that black people are tired of being remembered and looked at as people that are marginalized and limited and restricted and treated like shit. Like we trying to change our story and we're trying to change our identity from a perspective that people do not need to look at us and treat us the way that we've been treated. And right now, more than ever, this platform that people are on and, you know, trying to maximize that change and give it all we got. It's exciting to me. I'm excited to see what's to come and hopefully, and I truly believe in, you know, what the future holds with this situation that we're going through. And uh, I'm, I'm glad to be a part of it and, you know, doing the things that we're doing, you know, it's given us opportunity to, you know, to dive deeper into it and see how we can contribute it in a positive way to in our community as well. So what a year. I feel that a hundred percent. I feel, um, I feel there's a lot of, a lot of changes that are happening as far as, um, people understanding at a deeper level, what's going on. Um, me, myself, I mean, I'm when this whole, the George Floyd protests, Black Lives Matter. I mean, I think my perception of it in the past, just as a white male American, mm -hmm. um, wasn't, I don't know. I don't think I looked as introspectively as I did during this particular time. And I realized a lot of stuff about myself and I started doing some research and I wrote a blog post on here and I would say, you know, one of the questions I want to ask is, you know, what, what can I do? But that's not, a, that's not an accurate question as, as a white man, like I need to go do that research myself. I don't need to go and ask other people what I can do. I need to just figure it out. And for me, it was, while I didn't every day, there's nothing I did that was like, oh, hey, you're of a different color. I'm, I, I feel like I'm better or I'm going to treat you a different way. What I didn't do was if I heard somebody doing that, I didn't stop them. Right. So mm -hmm. that's where I feel like for me, the biggest thing is that I've learned is Ibram X. Kendi wrote how to be an anti-racist. And I realized that I haven't been an anti-racist. I've been as somebody who, if I heard another person say something, I'm like, just shake my head. But I didn't go, hey, that's not okay. Yeah. Stop that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's what I was, I, I figured like, that's what I was trying to say. I, I say for the first time in my life, I feel like we are really trying to change our story. Like that's, yeah. we're changing the narrative of the situation in a deeper way, in a, in a different way. And 
identifying that and making sure that everyone is on board with that is the goal. So we can move forward and not have to deal with this shit again. Like it has to stop. It has to. Um, I didn't realize I don't typically cuss on this show. I didn't realize how fucked up it really was. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I live in my little cocoon and I didn't realize I'm like, damn, this is, this is real and it's everywhere. And we've all, every one of us has to stand up for this. Wow. And, and, um, and people not, and people finally realizing how consistent this kind of activity is. And it's like, wow, this is really consistent. This ain't a one-off once every eight years or this no. is high level consistency. It really is. Uh, it's, and it's a, it's a travesty. It is terrible. And I can't imagine. Um, I always tell my people, I say, you just got to change the story. The story should not be the same anymore. And until people who are oppressing the people who are doing these, you know, the people that until we have no victims, the story has to change. So how can we do that? How can we game plan on that? How can we work together and, and you know, focus in the communities that you're in to make sure it's not happening in your community? And then hopefully it trickles down to a wider audience. So. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's tough, too, because. You want to just tell people you want to like just scream it from the rooftops and i have been an advocate of looking in the mirror not saying what you should do or what you should do or what you should do that every single person right now needs to look in the mirror and say what can i do what can i do to stop racism not what you should do or what they should do what can i do yeah and I think so many people focus on other people. You know, that's a that's a job. <laughs> what I mean, if you the 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 idea that you have to think about how can you make other people not be racist? That is the dumbest shit to have to spend your time doing. And and I, I think I, I'm sorry to say that, but like that's no, not the case. Like, how can I tell this guy, hey, you cannot be a racist? Racism is bad. Like, it's crazy to even have to say that out loud. <laughs> it's insane. You know? That that's something that needs to even be vocalized. That somebody could even begin to argue that. Like, this isn't an argument. This is not This is not an argument. And the fact that it even is at any point just shows that we have a lot of work to do. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Well, um, I don't know where to go from that. I think that's I don't I mean I don't I don't yeah I'm so I'm so sad I'm sad optimistic honestly Brandon you got to look at it differently you got to be optimistic you know I am I am I am optimistic I think things are going to change but it doesn't I don't think that that changes the fact that it's it's messed up and it, it makes me sad that there are people out there that fight this. Yeah. You know, it makes me sad because there are people out there that for that have lived this way for so long. Uh, and I'm optimistic that there's a potential that this could stop, hopefully. Yeah. But it 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 does make me sad. Yeah. So it's crazy. Yeah, it is. It's it's brings tears to, to uh, it brought tears to my eyes yesterday the thought of 
someone getting shot in the back seven times. It's hard for me to even say it, to be honest. It's, it's, it's in front of his family. Yeah. In front of his children. And, and I don't, I don't know who Jacob Blake was. I don't know his character. I don't know anything. I, I'm, I'm not educated on his past or any kind of situation that he's been involved in previously. I, I have no idea, but I do know that like he should not have gotten shot in the back seven times in front of his family. There's no justification for that. Nope. Zero. I 100% agree with you. And it's, it's infuriating. Um, and now he's paralyzed. And, and that's just another aspect of it. There's just like, I don't know. Yeah. Again, it makes me sad. But I have been an eternal optimist on this show. If you've listened to the show, yeah, I have said, um, I've said two things, two of my big analogies. And I'll, I'll, I'll bring this around. Is I have said, we are all caterpillars. Following? Yeah. <laughs> We're all caterpillars, and going into quarantine is like our chrysalis, right? So we are going into this chrysalis, and at the end, right now, whenever, whenever we finish this thing out, are you going to emerge a beautiful butterfly, or are you going to be a moth? <laughs> are you going to come out educated, and I've learned so much, I understand so many things about me. I've lost 10 pounds. I'm working out. I'm reading books. I'm doing everything I possibly can. I'm getting better in life. Or are you going to gain 20 pounds and, you know, just, I don't care, whatever, come yeah. out. like and it, Or, you know, these wildfires. You look at a wildfire in California, right? You're from California. I'm actually from Memphis, but I live in California for seven years. Okay, so you've seen a wildfire too, right? I've seen a lot of shit. <laughs> yeah, so you you drive by in California, it's crazy because you'll drive by a, a whole hillside and just be black yep. from a fire gone through. But it's beautiful. It grows back up beautifully, you mm -hmm. know. So we recover really well. And I just feel like we're gonna come out of this thing so well. Or we're gonna come out of this thing so much better than we so were you before. Are optimistic. Oh, I'm ridiculously optimistic, but that Is doesn't it, mean I'm not allowed yeah. to be sad today. You have to agree a hundred percent home run on that, but you have to believe you have to have faith that there's no way in, in on this God's green earth that cops are going to kill people like this forever. It's no just way. not going to happen. Nope. It's, just, it's just no way that can continue to happen. What part of California were you in? I lived in LA, West Hollywood, Beverly Hills. Nice. I used to work in the uh, French hotel called the Sofitel, and that's kind of where my career kind of took off in a in a in a nice direction. Got a nice, I got lucky and got a really good job uh, with a restaurant group based out of that hotel. So it was great, good times. Nice. Yeah. I never, we didn't get to talk about all like your past and where you've come up, and we just started <laughs> jumped right into what we're doing right now. I'm originally yeah. from Orange County myself, okay. okay. And um, so I was just in LA two weeks ago, nice. as a matter of fact. I was one of those people that got on an airplane and flew to California with it the family. I'm sure it was okay, yeah, it wasn't bad at all. You know, if you're careful and you, you know, you just don't touch stuff and lick doorknobs i think you know <laughs> wearing a mask and whatever we 
it was cool. We took two, we took our kids with us. So my awesome. grandparents still live in uh, Riverside. Okay. So we went to go visit them. He turned 90 last week. Oh, congrats, man. That's, that's a blessing. That's awesome. Yeah. So we wanted to go just see him before the kids started school and uh, it was nice. So man, thank you so much for just coming on and telling me yeah. about your story right now and what you're doing and how you're doing it. And, yeah, uh, man. I hope like a ray of sunshine, boring, man. <laughs> What's that? I said, I hope this wasn't too boring to you. I, dude, I love it. This is, this is, I've told people that my mental health is fantastic. I, I quit drinking before this whole thing started. Mm -hmm. So I've been completely sober throughout the entire pandemic. That's and awesome. I get to talk to people in the restaurant business about how they're doing like every day. I get to have all these amazing conversations. So I'm, I'm loving life. I'm a pretty lucky dude right now. So yeah, I'm okay. Well, I'm I'm glad to be on this show, man. I'm I'm very humbled and appreciate your love and support, man, and allowing me to get on your platform, man. It means a lot. So uh, it means a lot. You would do it. So I offer every single guest the final word. Okay. No, no script, nothing. Whatever you want to say for as long as you want to say it. Open mic, city of Nashville. I'm actually listening. There's actually like 17 countries that listen to this episode, this, this podcast now. So. That's great. Uh, Whatever you want to say, man, the floor is yours. I would just like to say, I would say continue to support more than ever. Just try to find the small businesses that you're fans of and just can try your best to support them as much as possible. Not just, obviously, you know, this is a great platform to talk about, you know, cinema, restaurant and bar and eighth and roast, but you know, in other neighborhoods and other, just supporting small businesses and, you know, every dollar helps, um, you know, so just something to keep in mind when you, when you decide to go out to get something to eat, or if you go out to get a cup of coffee and, you know, if you usually go into the big boys, think about the small, the small mom and pop spots. So it's very essential and very critical during these times. And, uh, Cinemas open six nights a week, Tuesday through Saturday, uh, actually five nights a week. And then we do brunch on Saturday and Sunday every weekend from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. And then we have two coffee shops, 8th and Roast. Uh, one is on 8th Avenue, right down the street from Cinema and our second location on Charlotte Avenue. And that's seven days a week from 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. And our coffee business and our restaurant business are also available for online ordering as well. So. Uh, and follow us on Instagram at Cinema Nashville and Eighth and Roast. And uh, appreciate this time, man. It's our absolute pleasure. Come back anytime. Um, whenever you got something you want to say, love to have you back on the show, man. Man, that'd be great. I would love to. All right. So there we go. Q Taylor on Nashville Restaurant Radio. Thank you guys for bearing with me on that one. It's always a little tough um, being, you know, who you are and, and having kind of those conversations are never like an easy thing, but I want to, I don't want to steer away from, I want to jump in and start having tough conversations. And I feel like every time that I do, I just learn a little something and, um, appreciate Q coming on, having that conversation with me. Um, he's just amazing. And we will have more from Q. There's so much more I want to dig into. He's had a, a crazy history and, um, just a super good guy. So thank you guys for listening today. And I hope that you and yours are being safe. Love you guys. Bye.